On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Living a Sex Positive Life. We are here tonight with my co-host and troublemaker and IT specialist, John C. Luna. And, and many other things it feels like lately, but yes, I'm here. Yes, you're here. And I'm super excited. We have a repeat guest again. Yay, for repeat. She likes us. She came back. Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she came back with a book that she wrote, Dr. Martha Lee, her new book, From Princess to Queen. This is definitely um, an autobiography, self-help, and how else would you sub- uh, describe it, Martha, your book? Because... I found a little of everything. I know! I can't decide what I want. I decided to put everything in it. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I was like, look, oh yeah, this is a great self-help, but oh, she's telling her stories, but yeah, oh my god, the drama and the the statistics. I was like, wow, some of that, especially when you were talking with the illness and the sexual dysfunctions, I was like, wow, where did you get all those numbers and everything? Sorry, I'm just all over because I just love the book. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yeah, so the book is uh, really, I thought, well, if I want to help people in a meaningful way, I cannot talk about my client's stories because that's a breach of confidentiality. Mm -hmm. And uh, though lots of people say, oh, you can just not mention their names, still you don't have permission so it's so important as clinicians to really uphold, you know, the highest possible integrity. And so I thought, well, I'll share my stories. I've been sharing my stories for a long time anyway in my workshops and also with my clients uh, where relevant. And um, so I thought, okay, I'll just put it in a book. And um, I didn't just want it to be, a, you know, like a um, really uh, autobiography per se because I always, as an educator, want to share with the intent of helping. And so, and in every chapter, there's a story. And um, then there's some like practical tips, uh, tips and techniques or advice for people to take away. So for instance, like my masturbation story, there will be some tips like how you can uh, begin to start to learn how to self-pleasure. So uh, then I thought, well, you know, um, not everybody uh, wants to just hear from me. Uh, so there is only one chapter in which I, I think there's one chapter in which I actually dwell into long-term relationships and I condense everything that I've uh, learned and over the last seven years of my practice and more you know my training included so that's like 10 years nine years of um, of what I've learned in a long-term relationship so there's one particular chapter in which I condense everything I've learned into 12 different little uh, paragraphs uh, so as to really support long-term couples because these are some of the common things that I I see all the time for them the challenges that they have. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I kind of just jumped into the book because I was super excited. I forgot to read your bio. You're, oh, okay. <laughs> you're based in Singapore, and Dr. Martha Lee is a founder and clinical sexologist of Eros Coaching. She is a certified sexuality educator with ASAC and holds a doctorate in human sexuality. She provides sexuality and intimacy coaching for individuals and couples and conducts sexual education workshops and speaks at public events yeah so that way people who haven't heard the show before gets to know a little bit more of you but yes i did appreciate a lot of your like you know seven steps or your the 36 things i wish i learned in sex ed that was interesting i'm like yeah that sounds about the same here in the states too not only just in singapore so a lot of people can relate to that your 36 steps precisely Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I was just saying that uh, you know the lack of sex education is not a Asian thing. Uh, it's pretty much universal, and it depends on where you come from. And it's not just where you come from; it's like uh, not the country. I mean, like uh, the the culture, the the background of your parents, uh, your religion. So the lack of sex education is definitely not an Asian thing. And um, there were people who came, uh, you know, because they, they know of me and my work. And so there are people who say, oh, I really love to learn about sexuality from an Asian perspective. I say, well, there's really not that much Asian-ness in my book. It's just a mother thing, you know. <laughs> it's me. I'm a human. I'm an individual. So I don't, I don't dare speak for Asians because... There's so many types of Asians and uh, a- that Asians brought up in different ways. So I'm not even trying to pretend to speak for them. I'm speaking for me. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely very neutral the way your book is written. That, that's what I liked about it because it can apply to all different cultures and countries there that are experiencing similar sexuality education challenges and relationship challenges and communication. Yes, your personal stories are based from your upbringing in Singapore, but when I was reading a lot of your steps and things, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. I could relate to that, you know? And me growing up with a Mexican descent parents, you know, old school Mexicans, I'm like, yeah, I went through some of that shit. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's universal, I feel. And, uh, you know, people want to pigeonhole me as just Asian. It's fine. Or Chinese is fine. Or woman is fine. I don't care. But I, what I, my intent is really to help people who uh, feels that they want to, uh, you know, uh, uh, read something that's authentic and vulnerable and raw and real. Even the title itself, uh, there, there are people who ask me, oh, is this, is this book just for women? Because I have clients who really just want to have a a, a, um, a better relationship with their sexuality and they just really are hungry for being able to have a better sex life. And I say, no, it's not. It's really not for just women. Uh, even though I'm a woman and I'm writing from my own perspective, a lot of the messages will help them understand themselves and also uh, people of the opposite gender, women. Mm-hmm. And I try to make it very, uh, uh, you know, like... A sexual orientation neutral mm-hmm. I'm very careful not to say oh, men are like that, women are like that because those are really not helpful mm-hmm. but I've tried to say generally couples opposites tend to be like this um, and one couple one, one side of the couple might be a morning person one might be a night person so I'm very careful not to mention like men are like that, women are like that and put Put these genders against each other. Yeah, no, I didn't get any of that reading the book, any general stereotypes. I mean, you basically did make it sound just, you know, this is what goes on between two people. And um, I think the only thing you didn't touch was transgender, you know, in, in case of people get confused with illness things but relationship wise even as an lgbtq you could probably get a lot of information from this book especially when you're talking about communications and you know how to deal with expressing what your desires are because people often forget that communications is extremely important in sex yeah i uh, now that you say yeah that that could be an area that i could have improved on in my book because a lot of it was very much from my personal life mm-hmm. uh you know like stories so i definitely could have uh, put in that piece about how growing up i was afraid of people who were uh transgender and uh gay and um we were told that these people were uh to be afraid of and then growing uh, growing up and becoming a sexologist realizing that you know they, they're human they have, they, they have flesh they have feelings too and they have desires they want to be happy they want to be loved and a lot of this I don't know fear that was put into me by culture and society just kind of went away and I, 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 I now think you know speaking with you I wish I put in that story because I, I made a video about it um, to kind of, you know, get people to start understanding that homosexuality is not something to be afraid of. 
So that could have been a chapter, and then I could have gone into different types of uh, uh, sexual orientations and also gender identity. So, yeah, I think I missed out on that. I, no, I no, could no, no. make a you, you just revision. saved a little for book number four. Yeah, it's for <laughs> book number four. Come on, girl, what the hell? It's like, yeah, we're, we're giving you more ideas for more books here or there. Because I know you talked about it little when you went over to San Francisco. There was, like, just a brief blurb about it. So that's why I just thought it was a teaser for your fourth book. Oh, yeah, that that would be uh, that would be great, you know. Um, um, but, yeah, you know, everything that we do, that's always like a... Oh, I could have done this. I I can improve. Uh, even in my my book, there were some uh, errors that I have corrected. So yeah, it's 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 never ending, really. You just yeah, you re- you release it. You put your baby out into the world, and you're like, oh, you know, I could have done better. That always happens. Oh yeah, we we still do that. We're raising a seventeen year old. It's all good. It's like as long as they're still li- living and breathing, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think with with parenting, you know, I was so hard on my parents growing up, and um, now as an adult, I look back and I realize that um, no matter what you do, there is there is really no perfect parent. You can come from the most wonderful background and do the best things to you for your kids, but the way they interpret is something that you cannot control, and so wounding will happen no matter what. So I think it's it's what I was trying to uh, reflect the best of in my book, um, but I didn't really go into uh, you know a lot of the other stuff that was, yeah, that I don't think would be helpful to readers. Yeah, you you, you never know. It, it's a different perspectives. So it, it could be somebody out there that's like, yeah, that's probably what happened with my family, and I could relate. So. Um, yeah, different things. I don't yeah, know. yeah. There was this um, person who um, read the book and she said she she cried and she laughed with the book and you know that really moved me a lot. That the the words can be so powerful that it can uh, bring up um, all these emotions and not only that uh, got them to start recollecting their own lives and help them heal anything that they had forgotten to look at. <laughs> true, 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 true. I could, uh, I could say I didn't cry. I did laugh. I was intrigued, <laughs> but I guess because I've gone through my own like hiccups and healings, and I'm like, ah, whatever kind of deal. And my upbringing was um, different. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely loved a lot of the parts, and especially your adventures and talking about you know how y- you found yourself in San Francisco when you were going to uh, your sex ed school. Yeah, I did. I I I um I really grew up many layers, like an onion, you know, peeling o- away and um, just starting to feel more and more alive and yeah you don't realize the shackles that you ha- you're holding on to until you start letting them go and uh, the world became a brighter and much more beautiful place when uh, people are more I guess more educated mm-hmm. definitely now how did you come up with the burnout section that that I was trying to figure out because I know you went through a little bit, but why did you feel like the burnout section had to be included? So, yes, so I I um I went through burnout twice actually when I I I think sometimes you don't realize this on hindsight. However, I think the I feel the health, the diet does affect so much your mood which affected my burnout. And uh, that happened when I was writing my second book. I was I was sleeping almost every day for ten months, like ten hours a day for ten months, and I just could not get out of like you know, short of seeing my clients, beyond seeing my clients, I didn't want to do anything else, and I just was so uninspired with my work and unmotivated. Uh, finding excuses to just keep sleeping, and so, so that was burnout. That was that was the first time I had burnout. I was I was very very 
weird out by it because I thought I was depressed, but actually I was just really tired from my from working so long and so much and um, um, being on the go for so long. And another time was really earlier this year. I was doing my master's in counseling and I was starting to feel really burned out uh, from my work. So I wanted to put it in because that's part of my journey of the last seven years of being a sexologist. And um, I think it's so important to take care of yourself. And when you run your own practice, you do your own business, you are on the go all the time and you're focusing on helping people, you give so much, sometimes you don't realize yeah, that is important. You know, that's why I was just kind of like wondering. It's like instead of self care, you put burnout, which is interesting. It's like because everyone's always hearing now. It's like self care, self care, and they rarely hear burnout there because they just think, oh, you guys do this all the time. You're taking care of yourself, and I'm like, nah. Sometimes we just kind of forget that to practice what we preach, to say the least. Yeah, I think I I I, I really wanted to write burnout because. I was really freaked out by what was going on, you know, like, oh, you know, I'll get to that tomorrow, I'll get to that tomorrow, and then just not having the energy to do anything. Even though I love my work so much, it was so weird that when it, whenever it came to my work, I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I needed to focus on um, being human and, and having joy in my life and doing things that were not work-related so as to have a balance. And it was very, very weird because I love my work so much. So I guess I wanted to highlight that because people who haven't experienced the burnout don't know the symptoms, and um, they don't they don't understand how how it can catch up on you if you're not aware. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, it, it totally yeah. I, I you know a lot of the things you know you need those signs here and there, but I guess we kind of forget. Well, I yeah. often hear people who work, who choose what they love is work. Uh, I work with students that either go into, like, they work with video games because they love video games. And you see them 10 years later and they're like, I don't want to look at another damn video game. I killed my love. So it's hard to balance the work portion of it with, with your pleasure. And when you combine the two, it's hard to know where do you get away to. Precisely. I think it's the same for... When I was younger, people would say things like that, like, oh, I love I love photography too much to be a photographer. Like, I didn't understand it, but now I really understand it. So when you mix the two and you, you talk about it all the time, seriously, I find it really difficult to pick up a sex book. Yes. And read it. Because it's work. Every time, <laughs> I, I, you know, I used to love right like love reading about everything about sex but now i find it really difficult to pick up a sex book and read it because it's like i cannot help but go into how can i how can i improve my craft you know how can i be better how can i use this to help my clients and i, I find it really difficult to just enjoy it for what it is it's hard it's hard yeah we we went through that earlier this year after going too many conferences back to back we were starting to get burned out we're like we're done <laughs> i know you guys were telling me a schedule and i was like okay <laughs> we learned we learned our lesson we're not doing it that bad again we're spacing everything out we're, we're trying to do one a month at a time and picking it too much well no because we got February playground in Toronto, then leather and leadership in Atlanta in March, and so we're going down already. We're spacing it out better, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's important to do that, you know, and to give some kind of a breathing space so that uh, whatever we learn and experience can integrate. So this was something that I didn't realize when I was younger, and uh, I, I I would hear that from my my um, you know my colleagues and my friends like oh yes i need time to process and i'm like oh these white people have a lot of things to process <laughs> and then later i realized it's not a white people thing <laughs> that's great <laughs> it's true so i've had to overcome my bias as well <laughs> i have to agree there now i know you put a lot of personal stuff but having your mother in breast cancer i mean 
how how difficult was writing that chapter because I was just like oh that just broke my heart just reading it and laughing at the same time when they questioned it's like how do you have sex with cancer I'm like oh my god that's just funny I know it's beautiful I I wanted to write about it because I wanted to be vulnerable and to share how even though I'm a sexologist I have difficulties talking about sex with my mom so that that didn't come up until my friend asked my mom about it and I did I did I did get permission from my mom to publish the book and what was surprising um now we're on air so it's limited listenership I guess you know cuz my sister's not going to listen to this my sister actually was not happy with it and so she's like why are you mentioning family we should like not tell people about us so much blah 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 <laughs> So I asked my mom for permission and she was cool about it. It was my sister who was not cool. <laughs> but let's go back to the whole reason that you're doing what you do, Martha. It's because your <laughs> sister is probably one of those still stuff we don't talk about sex, okay? So let alone... Oh yeah, my sister is a Christian, you know. My sister is a Christian with uh, two young kids. So yes, I, I, can, I can see why she wants to protect her kids and her reputation um, and whatever. Um, but, you know, I am a public figure. And so I see my life as a way to a vehicle to help people. And I don't want to live my life with regrets. And my my relationship with my mom and the messages that I receive around sexuality uh, through my mom, from my mom, uh, has been very integral. So I cannot talk about my life without talking about my mom. So I had to ask for permission. Oh, yeah, but it just sounded from the book that your mom was a pretty badass woman there, just walking around the apartment naked there, which, wow, that's really not very common, I guess, over there in Asia. Yeah, it's not common. My mom is um is quite different from most Asians, her generation, because my mom uh, did have... Um, secondary school education so she had more education than her peers okay. like my okay. auntie didn't even finish like primary school which is like maybe your I don't know your elementary school in the yeah. US so so you know she's very progressive for her age and I didn't appreciate her when I was growing up the way that I do now because if I had a different mom I wouldn't be a sexologist I wouldn't be where I am today you wouldn't be you. I mean, the apple did not fall far from the tree because sounding what I read in the book and how you describe your mom, you're almost like your mom there. You're just like total rebellion. It's like, nope, I'm not going to be like the rest of these people. I'm going the opposite direction. And you're doing a fantastic yeah. job there. Now let's push your yeah, sister so, a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's very different. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really proud of her because she's been fighting cancer, you know, for a really long time. She's had stage four for... You know, coming to nine, ten years now, and she's still fighting it. And it, you know, her cancer is slowly getting worse, but she's she's really strong, and she's gone through so many rounds of chemo. I I think like four or five rounds, depending how how you count it. And um, I'm I'm so proud of her. You know, I I know she's a fighter and a survivor, and I I I look at her and I'm like. You know, this is me. Mm -hmm. I want to be my mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think you're definitely your mom there. I, I just kind of laugh at the line in the book where you were giving the Hitachi Magic Wand home. And you're like, hey, Auntie, I want to give you a vibrator. Then your mom turns around and says, this one's so small. Mine is bigger. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I tell you, it was like one of the funniest things that I've ever experienced in my life. It was real shock. Uh, yeah, so my friend wanted to give my mom a vibrator because she didn't want to bring it back to the uh, Australia. So, and I said I didn't want it or whatever. I can't remember. And then, oh, I yeah, because I thought, you know, I didn't need it. So she said she'll give my mom. And I was like, okay, if you want to do it, you do it. I'm not going to do it. But I wanted to watch. So I was shocked when my mom said, oh, yeah, this one's so small. I have bigger... <laughs> I'm like, but that's a Hitachi Magic Wand. I'm like, I'm, they now come I in want smaller sizes. Yeah, but I want to see her mom's. It's, it's coming bigger, you know. 
Yeah, she didn't find the the vibration strong enough. She okay. really, I don't know what she was thinking. Like a vibrator is a is a massager. I don't know. I don't know what she, how she was using it. But she knew. She knew, and she showed me her lubricant, and I bought her better one subsequently. It's wonderful to have that type of relationship with your mom, given given your career, uh, <laughs> not having to hide all of that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I I mean it's it's kind of funny, like you know, my my parents read my sex books now, and I have my stuff all over the house, so pretty much as comfortable as I can be. <laughs> so there's times you feel a little bit uncomfortable talking to your parents about it. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, more and more, I'm 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 really not uncomfortable because when I first started they were very like unsure what what was going on but as I started to become more featured in the media and I got more coverage and they read it I think they began to understand how important my work is and they do support my work in the sense that they give me time and space you know like if I'm on a Skype call I'll tell them you know then they try to keep the volume down and things like that so they do support me that's wonderful so let me ask you, and I feel bad. I wasn't the one who read the book. Angelique did. But Don't feel bad. No, who, who's your target audience? Which one of our listeners? Is it specifically for couples, for singles, or did you try to kind of make it for everyone? Well, I, I really uh, was thinking of people who want to open up their understanding of sexuality i wasn't really thinking of women in general but because i'm a woman and my stories are about me so it seems like it's just for women um i'm i would say yeah maybe it's more for women (laughs) people seem to think that and um i guess people on the journey of wanting to awaken their sexuality and so i didn't really want it to be so scientific or so much statistics although some of it was you know just to impress people was there just to back it up with science yeah definitely yeah. especially with uh you know sexual dysfunctions people just sometimes forget that's just part of human nature and there's ways to work around it yeah it's true so yes i put that in because there are so many misconceptions around sexual dysfunction i just thought that well people should be more more informed about it so that's why i put that in um yeah because it was a great way to start with masturbation it's like you don't open a book and that's the first chapter you read (laughs) yeah that's what my friend said my friend said what's wrong with you martha why are you so different you, you, you know, I open the book and first chapter is your masturbation story. Like, you're really so different. And I, I'm sorry, you know, I guess I was born that way. <laughs> no, that's great. The world needs a little bit more different. <laughs> you, yeah. you start where you start, you know, and that was the start of my sexual journey. And so that's, that was the natural place to start, I thought. No, that's great because most of us uh, very, well, in my generation, at least, are taught, you know, masturbation is a bad thing, or if it happens, just kind of, you know, hide it, and it's not talked about. Everyone knows it happens, but it's still very hush-hush. It's, it's, it's only recently, in the last few years, that people are like, even doctors saying, no, no, it, 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 it's a good thing. It has health benefits, and it relieves stress. So, do it. Yeah, precisely. When I, when I trained to be a sexologist, I never thought that I would spend so much time learning and communicating about masturbation. Because I see this as if you're comfortable with your own body, then you'll be much more comfortable when you're with a partner. So get get to the basics first. So I actually spent a lot of time talking about masturbation and uh, teaching men how to learn about their bodies by themselves so that they gain confidence before you try to bring in other elements like pleasing a partner and that creates stress and anxiety. I spent a lot of time talking about masturbation that I never thought I would. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I don't know if you have Netflix o- over in Asia, but there's a new cartoon series called Big Mouth. Have you heard of it? Mm. Yes, I have Netflix. I watch a lot of Netflix. And uh, I'm going to look for Big Mouth. 
Yeah. Is that I've seen it? Yeah, it, it's hysterical because it's a cartoon series、um, showing a bunch of middle school kids going through puberty, and the、uh, masturbation monster is hysterical there because they have it both for girls and guys. That's great. Yeah. So once again, you know, anything about sex is work. <laughs> <laughs> But it's cartoons. So sometimes so I avoid it. I know, but what I've、uh, really started、uh, watching every single freaking episode was uh, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race.、Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, season eight's our favorite because、uh, there was a local、uh, drag queen from Orlando, Ginger Minx. She was in there. She made it to number two. We were all fighting for her to, to win for number one, and she was one of like the first plus size、uh, drag queens to make it all the way to the finals. And she's just amazing. So yeah, it was very interesting to watch the show because, you know, you have plus size people competing against, I don't know what you call normal size people, and、uh, no, we shouldn't say that. Average. I don't average, know average size average, people. Yeah, I I can't even tell anymore. Petite, with smaller the, people. Yeah. So anyway, you have plus size with smaller people, and、uh, you you sometimes doubt their abilities. So it was it was really interesting to see them competing side to side by side, and it didn't make a difference. It was all about guts, talent, creativity, beauty. Beauty is beauty, and so you see when you have pageants and you have like okay Miss Universe pageant, and then you have plus size pageants, you don't see that. You see, so I saw that, and it started to shift something inside me. Which is, I think,、um, I think I had a bias, which is like, oh, plus size people are probably slower, and it was not true at all. Oh no, no, no! It's like, especially if you see Miss Ginger Minx. Oh my God, that girl is light on her feet. She could sing and she could dance and she could sew up a storm. It, it was interesting. She, she has a lot of energy. Oh yeah, to say the least. So it was, it was really, yeah, I really loved that show because.、Um, Yeah, because you know that so many uh 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 how do you say the 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 nuances of sexuality. People who wear drag but uh identify as gay, uh people who wear drag but identify as transgender, and people who do it for fun, for living, for craft, and there's so many sides of it. And then their personal stories was there, and I just I just like beautiful people and beautiful things. So it was interesting to see the craft behind it as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't think they've had a straight drag because there are straight drags out there, but it's just I haven't seen it on RuPaul's Drag Show. I don't know. I know, like all of them seem to identify as gay. Gay、it、or transgender? Yeah. No, all, all, no, not all of them are no, no, identify as all, transgender. But, yeah, yeah, but it, it's yeah, just... a lot of them identify as gay. Uh huh.、Um, but I, you know, I don't know because. They don't say. Not all of them say. Hmm. That's true. It's like nine. It's I think it's nine or ten seasons of、uh, RuPaul. It's just I met him once, and let me tell you, he is amazing and beautiful, both as male and female RuPaul, and such a beautiful person. Really nice, very kind, and loving. So. Yeah, I can I can really see how much professionalism. Is in every word that is said on the show,、mm-hmm. so I can tell that this person is super, super experienced and polished. Lots to learn from him. So, what other shows you like to watch there that's not sex related? Then now I'm curious. <laughs> oh, oh, I've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race every single episode. I'm kind of addicted to it. Then I was watching、um, Shark Tank, and then I was watching. Uh, four rooms. So all the shows relating to like money reality shows, a dragon's den. So I I was watching all those because I like looking at the psychology behind, you know, pitching pitching and trying to get people to invest in your company, and I liked、uh, how the talking about money is also healing my money relationship. That's great. We used to watch Shark Tank all the time, and somewhere I think we got burnt out because some of the ideas got a little little ridiculous. But、uh, 
We were watching that for quite a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, we we were there, and it's just like, yeah. Even some of them just kept repeating, like, the same idea, just different brand names there. Um, no, because we, we, mm-hmm. we're sticking too much to the uh, Marvel Comics and DC Comics show, so <laughs> that's what we've been watching lately, all the X-Men shows. Well, yeah, I, I I watched this this new release yesterday. Liberty, Liberty Leak, something. The latest one. Marvel, IMAX. Marvel, IMAX. Oh, that's right. They change the title sometimes overseas. Oh. That's right. Not all the movies translate to be the same. Is it the Thor movie? No. There's another one that's being released at the same time. Sorry. Justice. Justice Liberty. Justice oh, League. Justice League. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Justice League. Yes. Justice. Yeah, I just didn't remember the title. Yeah, so I watched that yesterday. How'd you like it? Oh, it's just like a fun movie that, you know, it didn't make you cry or anything. Like, you know, those kind of movies that always has like a theme or something that really sticks to you. So Nothing we- really to me. <laughs> Not really. I thought the Flash was rather annoying. He was way too young and immature. Oh, I liked him. He was cute. Oh, yeah. He was cute there. Yeah, Ben Affleck had to go as Batman. I'm like, no, please. He's just a horrible Batman. He's just horrible. Oh, uh, he's aged a lot. Well, see, we were there. I got into a debate with somebody in regards to are they trying to do the older Batman from the old Batman Beyond comic books? Or is he, like, transitioning, you know, to his middle-aged Batman? So we were trying to figure out where Ben Affleck's he's Batman. He's the older, angry Batman. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, he is. I think he's meant to be older. Uh, yeah. What about Wonder Woman? My goodness, you know, when I was looking at her ass, my God, like, she's just so tall and... Thin. She's just like a freaking model. Oh, Gail Gadot. Oh, I love it. Did you know when she made Wonder Woman, she was three months pregnant? Yeah, she's like crazy. She's yeah, so and she was like... doing her scenes. She was doing her own stunt scenes while three months pregnant. I'm like, are you freaking insane? I would have been freaking out. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> well, she's, I mean, she's done very well. Uh, she's Israeli, right? Yes, she's Israeli, yeah. And she, I know Wonder Woman was it was a, well, getting back to sex, uh, a big deal just because it was a female director in a female role, and it's honestly done well mm-hmm. as far as the, the, the DC, the superhero movies, and they kept saying for yeah. years that they wouldn't make Wonder Woman because no one wants to see a female superhero, and obviously they were proved wrong. No, are they kidding? Women like to look at women, and men like to look at women, and everybody loves women. Yes. <laughs> Everyone loves women. <laughs> Everyone likes boobies. <laughs> but yeah, we, we we also saw the story Professor Marcison and his Wonder Woman, which is basically the backstory of how Wonder Woman was created. And that right. was yes. talking about what polyamory and BDSM back in yes. the 1950s. And wow, yes. that... We found yes. it fascinating, the story, but we could yes. see why the rest of society would not like it if they're not familiarized with the kink community. I so love the story that I wanted to write about it. I wanted to put a blog post, but of course I didn't get around to it. So I picked up a book about Wonder Woman in the library, and I read the backstory. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? They're in a poly relationship, and nobody knows this? Like, Does the sex world know about this? Like, Do my colleagues know about this? And then, um, then when the Wonder Woman movie came out, and then you know the backstory came out, then realized that oh yeah, pretty much a lot of people knew about this backstory. But it's fascinating that actually when we look at Wonder Woman and we look at her and we think oh yeah, that's probably like another sexualization of women. But if you look at the history behind the creation of Wonder Woman, like wearing less coats was so empowering and so different. And so the way we look at wearing less clothes now is like oh yeah she's a slut but back then like wearing less clothes is actually super super powerful Mm -hmm. it was very empowering there you know especially when they were going into the the private 
what was it? I wouldn't say dungeon or arena when they were doing it from that lingerie shop. It was more like a, a backroom underground type thing because it was considered to be more not just morally, morally wrong, but it was it, that activity was illegal. So they had to actually go ahead and hide it almost as if like going to a bar during prohibition. It was something you had to go to a back room and hide and you had to know the password to get in and stuff like that. You're talking about BDSM? Yes. And even just any type of nude photography. Yeah, any boudoir, anything. You know, the whole Betty Page era, that stuff. Yeah, the roping. Yeah, and the, the forbidden is always more exciting, you know. But yeah, we have so many um, privileges and liberties uh, nowadays that I think we take these things for granted. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We, we kind of forget the history of all the fighting that people have done so we can have the liberties and the freedoms and the privileges. Um, have you ever watched the show Will and Grace? I I have, um, but I'm not I'm not really a big fan of it. I can't even remember what the show is about. Yeah, no, they re-released it. They did like an updated version of Will and Grace. So now they're in their later years. So it's trying to show them, you know, still Will and oh God, Jack trying to start dating younger men. So they're they're in their late forties and trying to date date you know twenty year olds who kept calling them daddies. So it's like hey daddies, and I'm like oh my God. And there was a scene that Will was so upset on the behavior of He's like, who cares if you fought about this? Who cares who what you did? You know, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm giving you a history lesson. And the guy was like, are we going to fuck or are you going to preach? And he's like, okay. And next thing you know, he starts preaching. I'm like, no, the guy just wanted to fuck. Why are you preaching? Well, there's yeah, a lot of history like that, that that shouldn't be lost. And it's not just history from 100 years ago or 50 years ago it's stuff that's happened in the past five years that we're still fighting for our rights yeah and we're still fighting here in singapore you know um in the previous uh, show that i was on uh with you guys i i talked about how homosexuality is still illegal in singapore and um it's something that uh, i feel really sad about because i i you know it's horrible to not be able to um, have the same rights as uh, you know other people, and to feel discriminated in your own country. So, so yes, the struggle does go on uh, in different parts of the world. And so, you know, recently in Australia, they the citizens voted to allow for same-sex marriages. It's not legalized yet, but it's in the process of. So it's 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 really um, great that this is. Um, starting to really take shape in our generation. And when I posted this news on my Facebook uh, wall, I just said Australians voted for same-sex marriage on my Facebook wall. It was not, there was no exclamation. It was just a statement. And uh, a friend of mine put that, uh, put there, so do you see this as good news? And I was like, what, are you fucking kidding me? Of course it's great news. So, so even then, you know, um, in, in the midst of us, there are people who are uncertain of whether they should be pro or against it. And so it's really important that all of us do our part to talk about it and to educate as many people as we can. Because yeah. that's the, way it's, the only way it's going to change is through education and understanding. I know. I... I didn't want to go into a lecture with this person, but yeah, I could have handled it better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here's the unfriend button. Sorry, you're just unfriended on Facebook. So (laughs) that's how I handle it. (laughs) But but I understand what you mean. And when you're talking about getting away from work and you get thrown into a conversation and you're like, I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to go into it. And then you hear a couple words from someone, you're like, oh crap, here it comes. And you spend the next 20 minutes basically talking about work again you're like damn it this is my time off i know it's so exhausting that's why i don't want to go out and meet people in my book i talk about not going networking because sometimes when you go networking yes you want the context but you don't really want 
a fight. You don't really want an interrogation for the next 20 minutes or you don't want like a pool of people gathering around you and asking you, tell us a funny story. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sure the lawyers don't get that. Why do we get that? Okay, I know why we get that, but still. <laughs> wow. It's because we have the interesting topics, even oh. better than the lawyers. No, I always turn around on lawyers and networking events. I'm like, yeah, tell us one of your crazy, you know, especially family laws and criminal laws. I always say, it's like, hey, what's the dumbest thing a criminal has done? Come on. Because we know they're just idiots out there. We see the news. <laughs> well, half of Florida has idiots to begin with. So we're always on national news on dumb criminal of the week. And it's always in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Um... Yeah, I I don't understand. Like people certainly don't expect free advice from a lawyer. Why do they keep expecting us to give them free advice without even introducing themselves? I get all kinds of messages on social media, and as an introvert, I really feel quite harassed at times. So I just tell people I don't do business on Facebook. If you if you want to approach me, you email me. That's a, that's a good policy to have. Everyone deserves to be paid, and honestly, to get all the knowledge you have, I, you've paid a lot. You've put a lot of effort into it, and, and people yeah, don't get, and, value it. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not even just about being mean, because I have given free advice, because I want to help people. So I give free advice, and then I realize the moment I start, it doesn't stop. It really doesn't stop. They start messaging all hours of the day and then they just ask you questions for the sake of asking, not because they have a problem, but because they know they can ask and they don't even bother to do any research of their own. They are just they are just at their beat and call. And so then I say, hey, you know, there needs to be a limit now. You need to pay me for my time. And then they turn around and abuse you, like call you names and call you like, you know, cunt and stuff and like... Uh. You have no heart and, and things like that. So then I've learned over time, like, be very careful even starting. Yeah. No, I, I usually just start the line. It's like, yes, here's some basic information. If you like to book a session, here is my rates. Here's my email and my phone number to book. And we'll continue this further. And they're like, oh, snap. I'm like, yeah, I just give you one or two freebies, but that's it. The rest yeah, that's what I usually do now. That's what I do. I, I, I don't try, I, you know, I want to help them. So I do answer that question as if, you know, next time, by the way, yeah, I do do that. Um, but sometimes, you know, I, I worry about the, them calling me names. It, it hurts, you know, we're human. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It just makes it feel like people are, have the right to insult us and degrade us because we won't do anything for free for them. But I'm like, how would you feel if we did that to you at your job? I mean, people just don't put it in that kind of perspective. I mean, do you want to be degraded at your job or work by doing this? I mean, ah, yes, stupid people. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Kennedy. It's always been fun chatting with you. How can people find you? Is the book finally online? Because I know it was like on pre-order, and it's still pre-order on your website. So I was just kind of trying to figure oh. that out. No, no, it's it's already on Amazon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And people can order from me. I can edit the page. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, I how can, can people the reach you? Order. Uh, yes, so they can uh, just order it on Amazon, uh, the book, uh, From Princess to Queen. And I have three books, so they can look up the three books. Um, so my name is Martha Tara Lee. And um, yeah, my website is Arrows Coaching, E-R-O-S-Coaching.com, and all the links to my social media, everything is there. The best way to get free stuff from me is really YouTube. Because I have been diligently releasing one YouTube video every day since... March this year, uh, 2017. So I have a couple hundred of videos there now. And um, that goes with what I'm saying, which is I I really want to help people. um, But I really don't appreciate being abused. But anyway, it's all out there. And I really want to help people. So yeah, you can just type in your question and um, Arrows Coaching and uh, on YouTube and it will probably pop up. Oh yeah, I'm trying to remember the... uh 
what is it, fuck it video that you have? Oh, yeah, so the fuck up nights. Uh, fuck up nights, yeah, that's the yes. one. <laughs> it's like I just found that. I was like, oh, okay, this is good ideas to tips for people to learn. <laughs> oh, my God, since I, I mean, I mean, I get invited to speak, right? And some, some events you get to record. But in my own workshops, I don't record because I have paying, paying participants there. So I don't record my own workshops. So when people watch this video, they're like, oh, my God, like this woman is so vulgar, blah, 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 so loud or so outrageous, so whatever. And they don't realize it, it's in the context of that event. So, you know, so Fuck Up Nice is really like a younger crowd and um, they're entrepreneurs, they're more educated, they all at least have a degree. And so I could afford to be more vocal and, and stuff with them. But for people who's just watching it on YouTube, it can be quite a shock, which which is what I've learned has happened. <laughs> hey, shock value always sells. And that's what gets you money and driven traffic and gets you revenue. So that's what all matters. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> well, I know here in the United States, that's always what sells. So Usually. Usually, yeah. Well. We wish you the best success with your book, Martha. I will be Thank reading you it this so time. Much. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'm going to take a break from my own radio show. Uh, I don't know, maybe for a year, hopefully, uh, at least, I think. Uh, so yeah, uh, if there are any ways I can support you in your work, just, just let me know as well. No problem. We'll definitely let you know. But yeah, we always appreciate you coming on the show. And thanks for being a repeat. And you can find us everywhere on livingasexpositivelife.com. I will be announcing the winner to our November giveaway um, tomorrow, December 1st, and then announcing our new giveaway there. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Kink Crate, for providing the wonderful prizes that they have been giving. Um, you could also reach out to me on all social medias at livinginsexpositive.com life sorry life.com life. life.com yeah I know it's just like it's been crazy this whole week with the purge so it, it's been too much news too much personal things and way too much work stuff but if you do want to reach me um, I'm John C. Luna on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, and FetLife I do want to go ahead and give another shout out to the woodshed they've been helping us out a bit which has been absolutely wonderful not just a sponsorship but standing by us and i know they have a christmas party coming up so we're going to be going to that as well and hopefully uh kick off the end of a year and start off a wonderful year soon thanks guys have a good night bye